This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. Volume 32, Number 9, from September of 1954. The Lodge Secretary. Written by Brother Carl H. Claudi. The name comes from the Latin secretarius, which in turn comes from the Latin secretum, meaning secret. Evidently, there was early knowledge that what the secretary records should be inviolate unless made public by him for whom the secretary writes. The Old Testament knows not the word, but the scribe of the Bible was originally the recorder, the analyst, before the term was broadened to mean student and expounder of the law. In this lodge officer's title is the finest testimonial to the importance of the secretary of a lodge. What he records is to be secret, He is the analyst who tells the story. He must have a profound knowledge of Masonic law. To the average member in a lodge, the secretary is the brother who sits at the desk on the right side of the lodge, near the master, drones through tiresome minutes, and asks for appropriations. It is the secretary who calls him up, writes him letters, and even comes to his home to collect dues. Such a conception of the secretary is on par with that many members have of the master, the brother who wields the gavel, wears a hat, and runs the lodge. If the master is the soul of the lodge during his year, the secretary has often to be its mind, and only those who have either been secretaries or had an intimate acquaintance with their work, master and trustees, past masters, and other lodge officers, know from their own experience the wide range of duties and great responsibilities which are the substance of a lodge secretary's life. It is not for this talk here to determine the most important duty and responsibility of a secretary. But the Short Talk Bulletin of June 1943, Minutes Are Important, developed the vital necessity of accuracy on the one hand and completeness on the other. What would the Masonic world not give now for Lodge Minutes which definitively proved that Jefferson and Madison were members of the fraternity? Collateral evidence seems so to show, but proof is lacking. If indeed they were members of some lodge or lodges in Virginia, either some secretary was lax, or the priceless record, if made, has been destroyed. Some Grand Lodges publish a secretary's manual, in which is set forth the whole duty of a secretary. All of these stress the need of names and dates and completeness of records. That lodge, whose secretary counts no fact of lodge life which concerns any brother, and which is germane to the lodge, too small to record, has a jewel which may be brilliant in the minds of brethren of the future. Among the duties of a secretary, of which few Lodge members know, is that of making returns to the Grand Lodge. 
In these returns are the vital statistics of the Lodge, the initiations, passings, raisings, and admissions, the deaths, the droppings, the demissions, the suspensions and expulsions. Here, too, names are vital, and full names especially. Mr. J.J. Brown was initiated, may be sufficient now, but J.J. Brown may someday be a President of the United States, a great general, a noted scientist, a leader of his people. A hundred years from now, who can prove that the James Jasperson Brown, famous some twenty, thirty, or forty years beyond initiation, was, in fact, J.J. Brown? If, however, the Grand Lodge has a record properly reporting that James Jasperson Brown, born July 4, 1933, residing at 41-144 Elm Street, town of Jonesville, son of John Thomas Brown of the same town, was initiated. The historian of the future could hardly go wrong. Infrequently realized by the Lodge member, well known to all good Lodge secretaries, is the necessity of doing any lodge business with another Grand Lodge or a lodge in another Grand Lodge through his own Grand Secretary. Grand Lodge laws regarding members are sometimes complicated. Grand Lodges differ one from another, even as one star differs from another star in glory. Constantly there arises the matter of jurisdiction. Mr. A, who lives on the border of the X state line, wants to join a lodge in State Y. The lodge in State Y must secure a waiver of jurisdiction from the ex-State lodge before reviewing the petition. All this is the business not only of the secretary, but of two grand secretaries. The lodge secretary must assemble all the facts, write to his own grand secretary, who writes to the grand secretary in the other state who communicates with the secretary of the lodge which must waive jurisdiction, all to satisfy Masonic law, see that no man's Masonic rights are infringed, and that no petitioner, in ignorance, petition where he cannot legally do so, that no lodge receive a petition not lawful to accept. Meanwhile, the lodge secretary is keeping copies of this correspondence, and filing it so that no Grand Lodge officer finds him derelict in record-keeping of his lodge. The secretary attends to notifying the committees appointed by the master on applicants, reinstatements, or admission. The secretary sends out dues bills and summonses, notices of funerals, notices of lodge trials. Frequently he mails the lodge notice or trestle board, and, perhaps this should be whispered, makes up the copies, therefore, and sees that it is properly printed. In many lodges are several classes of members, at least as to the payment of dues. First are the members who are the body of the lodge. Next are those who have this year asked the lodge to carry them, as they are unable to pay dues. Then there are those who were carried last year, but who may pay this year. Life members are another group if the Lodge has such a classification. And then there are the dues-exempt members of 50 years standing, in some Lodges, 25 years. There's a list of members previously and long-dropped, NPD, 
who are usually written to at least once a year. Sometimes a master will either go to see them or ask the secretary to do so, in the hope of having more restorations to report at the end of the year. Secretaries of lodges are treasurers too, although no law so specifies. The secretary is the collecting officer of the lodge, and as such must be a bookkeeper also. The treasurer keeps the bank books and finally handles the finances. But it is through the secretary's hands that he receives dues, and it is the secretary who must keep account of them. Many secretaries are satisfied to keep one record of every brother, for example, a loose-leaf sheet in a binder, in which the individual brother's Masonic record appears, together with all monies paid by him, the dates paid, and all that he owes is noted, all that he may have received from the lodge, refunds, relief, etc., is also set forth. Such a record gives the brother's name, address, home and business phone, born when and where, employed by whom, initiated, passed, raised by dates, admitted on demit and when, the date, if any, he demitted, and to what lodge, if any, if he was ever suspended or expelled, reinstated, dropped NPD, and when he died. Following this will be the dates and amount of payments for dues and a note indicating that a good standing card was sent to him. Some secretaries, especially in the larger lodges, keep all this information in one file and a second record on a card file for quicker reference. Even in a moderate-sized lodge, such records mean work, and plenty of it. Every lodge has deaths. Many deaths require Masonic funerals. But whether or not the family wishes a Masonic funeral, in such cases it's taken for granted that the deceased has expressed a desire for a Masonic funeral. A good master will call on the family and take his secretary with him. Often the family is more or less dazed. The widow looks upon the master and secretary as heaven-sent angels in a time of distress. Hence, not infrequently, it is the lodge secretary who telephones the absent members of the family, makes the arrangements with the undertaker, sees the caretaker of the cemetery to have an own lot opened or buy one for the family, calls on the minister and makes arrangements with him, sees that a proper notice is put in the paper, and generally becomes guide, helper, and friend to the family. It is also the secretary who sends out summonses to the funeral, if the lodge follows that system, or notifies all the members if such is the way of that lodge. He attends all funerals and writes separate minutes for the special communication, here complicated with the pallbearers, actual and honorary, if some come from other Masonic bodies or lodges than the deceased's own lodge. In addition to reports to Grand Lodge throughout the year, the secretary prepares the annual returns, giving a resume of all the year's work, which must be sent to the Grand Secretary, together with the proper check for Grand Lodge dues. The secretary also makes an annual report to his own lodge, and in this, of course, the figures must agree to the penny with those of the treasurer. Often, the secretary of the lodge will be, ex officio, the secretary of the board of trustees, 
and helps them with their report of resources and stocks, bonds, and reserve bank accounts, interest received and credited, etc. If, as is sometimes the case, the Lodge has several different bank accounts, perhaps an education loan fund, a special charity fund, a fund left by some brother to be applied in a particular way, the secretary as well as the treasurer will be concerned in the records of these matters. A good lodge secretary is a trained, experienced, and tactful diplomat. Members get strange peeves about various things. Often, a tactful approach by a secretary can discover such a sore spot and remove it. Sometimes, a brother insists he's paid his dues when he hasn't. Human memories are faulty. The secretary may be able to convince the brother who says he's paid when he hasn't, by exhibiting the record. But, regardless of the end of such a small controversy, the good secretary ends with a pleased brother and the lodge with a satisfied member. All of which takes time, thought, and a ready smile. Many lodges send a card to the home lodge of each visiting brother, a pretty courtesy which usually pleases both the visitor and his home lodge. But, if a lodge has a dozen out-of-town visitors at any meeting, that means as many letters, addressings, and mailings, all of which take time. As of this writing, the fraternity in the United States is composed of 49 Grand Lodges, nearly 16,000 lodges, and approximately three and one-half million members. The business of the fraternity is in the hands of grandmasters and masters, Grand Secretaries and Secretaries, Grand Treasurers and Treasurers, and Boards of Trustees. Water does not rise above its source. Grand Officers can do their duties as they wish to, only if Lodge Officers perform their duties as they should be done. To the Grand Secretary, the Lodge Secretary is all-important. If the Lodge Secretary does his work well, makes his returns promptly, keeps up-to-date in the requirements Grand Lodge makes of him, keeps minutes properly, is a good balance wheel for his lodge. The Grand Secretary rejoices. Improper returns, poor statistics, and careless financial reporting distort the picture the Grand Lodge presents to the Masonic world. Hence the importance of a Lodge Secretary who is a good member of a Masonic team and plays his part according to the rules. Hence, too, the trouble caused by the inefficient, the careless, and the neglectful secretary. Luckily for the craft, he is seldom found, and when discovered, soon eradicated. The craft in the United States is well organized, conducted on high principles, according to merciful fraternal methods in fraternal matters. In both of these, the Lodge Secretary is the keystone. As he is worthy and well-qualified, so is his labor done. As he accomplishes good work, true work, square work, so is his Lodge evaluated. As he draws a true picture of his Lodge and his office for the Grand Secretary, so does his Grand Lodge appear to its members and to the rest of the fraternity. But, in the last and final score, it is what a secretary is to his own lodge, 
his own brethren, which counts the most in painting the fraternal picture. And it is on this note that this talk ends. Masters come and go. Of lodge secretaries it has been written that few die and none resign. Lucky the lodge, which has an old and experienced secretary. And one of the reasons for that luck is that the secretary, continuing in his office from year to year, in a short time comes to represent the lodge to the individual member, as few masters ever can. It is to the secretary that the member goes with his troubles. It is the secretary of whom he asks advice. It is the secretary to whom he takes his Masonic joys and sorrows. And he is of the class of the best secretaries who becomes all things to all the brethren of his lodge, who knows the individual circumstances of each brother. Hardly possible in a large city lodge, but frequent in the smaller lodges in small centers. It is the secretary who tells the master that Brother Joe is in hard luck and should have his dues remitted, and whispers that Brother Johnson, who asks the same charity of his lodge, is temporarily broke because he lost a wad on the races. It is the secretary who knows when a brother is ill, when a brother has a birth or death in his family, who is guide, philosopher, friend, first aid, good companion, and really a brother to every member of his lodge. This short talk makes no pretense of being complete in setting forth all a secretary does, all his duties, all his responsibilities, nor any of his joys. There must be some of these, or so many devoted brethren would not labor for years in the secretary's chair, often at such small stipends as would be a joke for similar responsibilities in commercial life. What is here attempted is a tribute to a brave group of brethren whose selfless attitude, hard work, and devotion to the fraternity, their grand lodges and their lodges, paint a bright picture before which any brother with less responsibilities may gladly bow in respectful tribute. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions, and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.